welcome to Tea and Strumpets, a Regency Romance Review. I'm Zoe. And I'm Kelsey. And we are back for our second episode here during June, during Pride Month. And I'm really excited to talk about this book. (laughs) Me too. I had not read A Cat Sebastian in a while, which is why I was excited to do this. We picked it because we were looking at books and I was like, I've had this book on my bookshelves for over a year. We should read it. (laughs) And you know what? I am pretty sure that Kat spoke about this book uh, when she was interviewing with us on on our show for Pride Month back in the day, it was like two years ago at least, if not three. Mm-hmm. Um, and she mentioned this book about highwaymen that were grumpy, and I'm pretty sure that ah. that's this one or this series. I don't know if she mm-hmm. fully had this book like fleshed out at that point, but there was definitely there's definitely a mention. So I think it's really fun to be doing this book now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And it was really great because the second one has already out. So when I finished this one, I could immediately pick up number two. (laughs) Yes. And the book we are talking about today is The Queer Principles of Kit Webb by Kat Sebastian. Yes. So this week, no history fact. Uh, We have some author facts and the author fact is Kat has a new book out. It is called We Could Be So Good, and it just came out on June 6th. Um, and the elevator pitch for this one is a reporter befriends and then falls for the boss's son at a newspaper in 1950s New York. So historical, but not our normal historical. Yeah, I've noticed she's written quite a few kind of like 1900s, like New York, uh, or and actually she has another one like set in the 70s, I believe. I think oh, it's wow. like Peter Peter Cabot or something. Mm-hmm. Um, really cool, really interesting. Um, don't quote me on the Peter Cabot date, but I think it's <laughs> later. Um, and so it's it's really it's really cool, like all the different eras that she's exploring, and I think it's fabulous that she is doing that so successfully. Yes, I agree. And I love it because I think there is a bit more writing that's happening in that kind of early 20th century Mm -hmm. instead of like early 19th century Mm -hmm. that's happening more. Um, We're talking next month. You will hear an interview with Maureen Lee Linker about her new book, which takes place in 1930s Hollywood, which is so Mm -hmm. fun. But also, too, you and I have talked about Amanda Quick on the podcast and a lot of her new historicals that she writes under Amanda Quick, which she does with her historicals, are actually like 1930s. So, like, I think that era is kind of rising in popularity as far as where the historical genre is taking us now, which is fun. Like, these are great times. There's a lot to explore in those times Because we look at them like they used to be the good old days. And now we're like, oh, look at this problematic era that we need to talk about (laughs) that we could make better through literary fiction. So yes, yes, yes. And we can explore it in so many ways and through so many different lenses by doing so. Very fun. Well, let's go back to the book for today and talk about our main tropes. Today we have blackmail, a family secret, and a tyrant of a father. Ah, yes. So one more down for our daddy issues. (laughs) (laughs) Our main characters today are Lord Holland, Edward Percy Talbot, known as Percy throughout this thing, and Christopher Kit Webb. Why is Kit? 
a nickname for Christopher. I'm aware it is one. Okay, but I was about to why say. is it one? Sorry, I've always wondered this. Uh I I don't know. That could have been a history fact. Why is Kit a nick? There we go. It's one of those weird nicknames like like Ted is a nickname for Edward or and something like that. Or well, like Theodore and Ted. For sure, but like, yeah, there's a but yeah, like Theodore and Ted, for, but Th- Ted I think is also one for like Edward. Like there's other ones like Jack for John, or is it? Ugh. But like or Hank for Henry. You know, it's one of those that's like same same but different. Though Kit is very different than Christopher, so it's like I don't know. It's one of those weird nicknames that I've always just been like, hmm, I wonder why that is a nickname. Like, yeah, know, it's not one of those that makes complete sense. I'm sure it does. Maybe in like an old English. Spelling? Well, I will say I a know. cursory Google search yielded no immediate results. So <laughs> it's not clear. And uh, if any listener knows, please let us know. Yes, please. But shall we get into our synopsis? We shall. Edward Percy Talbot has just found out. He is not, in fact, Edward Percy Talbot, Lord Holland, and future Duke. He is just Edward Percy, future nothing. It turns out that his mother was actually the second wife of his father, the Duke, which makes him a bastard. He finds this out from his childhood friend and current stepmother, Marion Hayes. He still does not know why Marion agreed to marry his father, but she has, and now her daughter is being threatened by the secret from the Duke's past. The blackmailer wrote directly to Marion and asked for 500 pounds by January 1st. Otherwise, they would make the details of the Duke's secret first marriage public. For all Percy hates the Duke, he does love Marion and his younger sister, so he is determined to help them out of this mess. Together, Percy and Marion have decided that they will go public with the information rather than live with a sword hanging over their heads. But before they do, they must rob the Duke of the 500 pounds in order to live securely once they no longer have claim to the duchy. They get the idea to hire a highwayman to help them rob the Duke. Enter Kit Webb, who is a famous former highwayman, although not by his name. He is a different name. (laughs) His last robbery went poorly, and he ended up shot in the leg, and it did not heal correctly. So now he lives a life above the law, running a coffee house. Percy gets Kit's name from Marion, so he attempts to hire Kit for the job. Kit tells him, absolutely not, but after he learns that the target is the Duke, a man he hates, he agrees to help Percy learn how to do the robbery himself. On a romance note, Percy has always known he prefers men, and he makes no secret of that. And he makes no secret that he is very into Kit. Kit's backstory is a little different. He was married at 20 and had a child. Unfortunately, when his daughter was six months old, his wife was caught poaching and the Duke personally saw that she was transported for her crimes. She died on the ship and his daughter died shortly after. He then spent his years drinking away his grief and robbing the rich. After the events that led to his injury and the death of his best friend, he got sober and decided to live a life on the right side of the law. And now he's bored, senseless. Percy, for all his frivolous, lordly ways, surprises Kit, and he in turn finds himself more and more attracted to Percy. While he has, from time to time, found men attractive, he has never acted on the impulse to pursue a romantic relationship. Eventually, the sexual tension comes to a head, and we go from nothing, except maybe a teasing kiss, to a full encounter. 
Our heroes continue exploring this feeling between them, and when the robbery goes poorly and ends up with Percy shot and the Duke dead, they try to determine what a future would look like between the two of them. They hide out at a nearby barn so they can properly treat Percy's bullet wound. It's not fatal, just painful. And Percy learns about Kit's past, including his wife and daughter, and how he got wrapped up in a life of crime. The next day, the two determine a plan that will take them back to London. Percy needs to know what happened to the Duke and if he is wanted for fratricide. The two return to town and Percy goes to the Duke's townhouse. He is informed that the Duke is dead and Marion is gone. While no one is questioning that Percy is the Duke, he does not want to take the risk that another person will find out that he is, in fact, a bastard. Also, the life of a duke will not allow him to have a life with Kit. So he begins to take measure so he begins to take measures to safeguard the dukedom for the potential right for heir that they are sure to find. Kit, meanwhile, is back at the coffee shop and convinced that Percy is lost to him. Why would he not choose to be the duke he always expected to be? But Percy then surprises Kit by turning up and telling him that he is thinking of buying the house next door to the coffee shop. This will allow them to discreetly traverse between the properties, while Percy can set up a household in which to raise his half-sister. Kit is overwhelmed by the gesture and and is excited by the prospect of a new life with Percy. The end. Ooh, short and sweet, so we have lots to discuss. But first, shall we adjourn to the parlor? We shall. So I know each week we talk about our Patreon, but one thing I just wanted to mention was what we do with your support. So you may not know this, but um, podcasting is actually reasonably expensive. (laughs) So with the support of our fabulous patrons, we have been able to now cover our expenses that we're paying out each month. And these are expenses for hosting and also, you know, of course, our website and hosting fees. And then there are a bunch of other little things that we have to do, like paying for our music rights and paying for, you know, our Canva that we used to design our logo, those sorts of things. And you know, they may not seem like a lot, but when you put them all together, they do add up. And so it goes from, you know, a really fun hobby to kind of an expensive hobby. (laughs) But anyhow, I just want to say, you know, a, a big thank you to our patrons. And if you want to become one of our patrons, we have a Patreon that starts at just $3 a month and you get some cool stuff. So check that out at patreon.com slash T as in Tom and as in Nancy Strumpets. And if you'd like to find us on social media, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube by searching or typing in T is in Tom and is in Nancy Strumpets. Yes. Although, to be fair, I think mostly we're on Instagram. (laughs) Yes, that would be for sure. I actually tried to go to Twitter today to look something up, and it was like, what's your password? And I was like, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of turned off of that platform right now. So, hey, whatevs. Um, But you could still reach us. We get notifications in some form or another. And, you know, we always love to hear from you guys. So, Uh, Thanks again for all your support.
All right, Kelsey. So the queer principles of Kit Webb, we've got a highwayman and a, uh, you know, nobleman. I thought this was a fun pairing. This was a really fun pairing. And it had a lot of like, secrecy and like, I'm not going to tell them. But things just kind of came out. And it was so great when they did because it was just like, great, good to know. In fact, like Kit really was like hated the Duke. And there was like a brief moment where he's like, how could I be into the son of this horrible man? And he's like, but the son's kind of cute. So like, eh, I'm just going <laughs> to go with it. Yeah, no, I really liked I liked their relationship with each other, like how, you know, you had the grumpy sunshine. I actually really liked Percy, I remember, just mm-hmm. being like, he's so funny and goofy. And like, he just brought a smile to my face most of the time. He was just being a nitwit and I kind of loved it. Yeah, I I really loved it. And this was a line from the second book. It's like when Marion meets Kit and he's mm-hmm. just like, she asks him about something and he's like, I don't pay attention to lo- like frivolous whatever lord. She's like, Percy's a frivolous whatever lord. And he's like, yeah, but I love him, <laughs> you know? And it's it's one of those things where he's like, he's foppish. That's the word. It was foppish and frivolish. Frivol- uh-huh. Foppish and, mm, <laughs> foppish and frivolous. And like, it's who he is. And Percy knows that about himself. You oh, know, yeah. part of this journey that Percy goes on in this book is knowing he's not a lord, coming to terms with that, but not even fighting against it, but really trying to find alternatives. How is he going to make money? What can he do that is good? How can he help support his half-sister and Marion should she desire it? You know, like he really takes that into consideration and does not shirk his duties as he feels them to be. Uh-huh. And really, like, where he's like, no, like, if we're not going to be a lord, then we need this. And same thing, like, with the dukedom. Like, he even decides he doesn't want it. But first, he's going to make sure, like, he ties up all the assets. So if the heir turns out to be horrid, he won't run the dukedom into the ground. Because Percy grew up to care for it. And he does truly care for it, love it. He wanted to be the steward of it. Because he cared about the people and the grounds. But yeah. and his father was horrid. But he really cared. So then even though he no longer wants the job, even when he could potentially still be the Duke, he's like, no, I don't want that. Like, I'm yeah. not I'm not the rightful one, but I'm going to do what I can by this take responsibility. And I think that's just a nice paradox oh, yeah. in the sense I, of like. I loved that dimension of it. Like I when when that happens at the end and he like is just like, let me just fix a couple of things first, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. like he's like, I'm not just going to wash my hands of it because there's a responsibility here, a responsibility that I have the skills for, mm-hmm. you know, and so and and also the heart to follow through. So like he just does the work and then he says, OK, I've set it up so that it can't fail, but now I'm going to go do my thing, you know, and I mm-hmm. I, I thought that was great. I think my my like main complaint with the book and this maybe you felt this way maybe you didn't. Now, I have not read the second one. We already gave a couple spoilers in our last episode for the second one, um which you have read. Um but I'm wondering if you felt this way if you remember if you felt this way when you finished the book 
or not because I felt like there were so many like things unanswered because Marion's mm-hmm. side of the story is not yet answered yes. that it was a little frustrating while reading it because it just felt like there were a bunch of loose ends. And um, that is why I felt like I had immediately pick up the second book was because I felt like there were loose ends. Like I was very curious. And in fact, like Marion leaves and all Percy gets from her is a note being like, I'm alive. I'm safe. Don't worry. Yeah. Like, and she left her baby behind. Yeah. And she left her kid behind. Like, And so that's a big, there's something going, you know, like you have mm-hmm. to figure out. So anyhow, so I just kind of felt like that was frustrating. And the reason I didn't pick it up immediately is because as much as I think Cat Sebastian is a fabulous writer, um, it doesn't, it's just not the same as like a page turner for me. Like it's similar to like Alexis Hall, where for some reason that writing just like doesn't as brilliant as it is, it like doesn't connect with me as like that fast page turner mm-hmm. that like Elisa Kleypas could be, or yeah. like, you know, I just read a, I'm reading a Loretta Chase. I mean, like there's just some like that follow, I think, I don't, I don't know what's different or even like Scarlett Peckham, to be honest, I've been trying to finish Portrait of a Duchess. Mm-hmm. I loved the Ray Kess, but there it is. There's something like heavier about the writing that as good as it is, it just isn't like that book candy easy does it, read it really fast. And so, you know, if you're not in necessarily the best energy level headspace like I just don't have necessarily the energy for that next so that's why I didn't pick it up next yes I think that I agree with you in some ways and not the other I think that Kat Sebastian I can get into her much faster yes I can get to the page turning much faster like with Alexis Hall I had to get I usually have to get like halfway through a book Mm -hmm. um and I feel the same way about Scarlet Peckham. Like, the Raycast, as good as it was, like, it took a while for me to get into it. And I know that we've talked about a previous Scarlet Peckham book, which you loved and I couldn't stand. Um, <laughs> but, like, again, I think part of it's just, like, the writing style is hard for me to get into. It's not, like, my immediate, like, jump in, turn pages. Cat's kind of a middle ground for me. Fair. I think that, like, this one... It built up a lot. This one I got frustrated with only in the sense of like Marion was kind of doing her thing and she kept coming in and out of scene, you know, mm-hmm. but like you didn't really have any background. They never really talked about what was going on. Like they talked about what they want to do with the blackmailer and the plan for that. But as far as like he like she's his best friend, he loves her, but why like she's never even like they've never even talked about why she is the duchess, you know? Yeah, I mean, and there's like, such a big hole. And it's such a big hole. And so you learn more about it in Marion's book, obviously. Yeah. It makes a lot more sense. I think those two really, I think the two of those tell a complete story. I don't think it's, it's not one of those romance books that's technically two books, which honestly, I don't gotcha. like it. I'm like, I want the story to end in one book. I yeah. don't like, I'm really into fantasy romance, but I'm not going to lie. Like when the romance takes three books to read through, I'm like, this is annoying. Just be together yeah. and be happy and we'll learn about the others. There can be yeah. trials in the other people's books, but not in your book. Um, <laughs> but like Marianne's like, I feel like those stories really complement each other. And in fact, um, her counterpart in her book, we meet in this one. And so yes. there's a lot of duology between the two books. So I really feel like this is a true companion novel, a true duology of a book series. 
Yeah, interesting. I I will hopefully get to reading that because I thought there were so many interesting aspects to what Marianne's book was about. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'm definitely interested in reading it. I I will have to say, you and I can talk about offline because we're not talking about that book, but like I will say I thought what happens in that book I really thought was really lovely and wonderful from Mm. a from like just the sexuality of it and like how like their sexual intimacy comes out and as someone who like has had issues like still feels like sexual drive but like has troubles with that intimacy Mm -hmm. like I thought it was really really great like just reading it yeah, I think I have a feeling I can connect to it probably a lot too. Mm-hmm. And I think probably uh, a lot of women can. Yeah, no, for <laughs> sure. And so like, it's just really great because I feel like that one was like, because you think because that one is a male female, but like both characters are bi, but it is a male female. But like how that plays into like their sexual relationship and how they yeah, you know, go about it. It really makes it. It really makes a difference, and I think it makes it very powerful. But we're talking about this book. I have a question for you. What do you like, Kit? We've talked about Percy, and I we like the facets of Percy. But let's talk about Grumpy Kit. It's funny because I. So I'll, I'll admit it's been a while since I read this book. But what I remember overarching was maybe not liking him quite as much as Percy. But Mm -hmm. the interesting thing for me is that, like, I think that maybe when I read it, I liked Kit more than Percy. But that afterwards, like, they've flopped in my head. I'm not sure. I'm kind of, like, mistrusting myself. I think Percy stays with you. He's meant to be a big, like, fun personality, you Mm -hmm. know? And I think that, like, Kit is very much, like... A typical grumpy hero, which, like, I think fades in comparison. Again, we talk about, like, the different nuances of Kit, or not Kit, of Percy. Yeah. Versus Kit is very much, like, Kit is Kit. He is who he is. Like, he has Mm -hmm. his own personal growth through the book, but he was already pretty established in who he was. I mean, like, even as a character, he's in his late 20s, early 30s. Percy's like in his early 20s like you know he's got much more of like less assurity of who he is like especially now that it's being thrown into turmoil so quickly versus Kit like went through that turmoil who went through his struggles he went through his pain and now he's dealing with the aftermath of it yeah no I I think I think that makes sense um and I I agree. I think that like all of Kit's, like I think both of their their histories were so interesting, and mm-hmm. I really liked Kit's backstory and kind of yeah. First of all, it's devastating. It is. Oh, I mean, it's devastating. Like the and the fact that he is, you know, can even kind of consort with Percy, you know, like the enemy of my enemy is my friend sort of thing Mm -hmm. is maybe like the first thought. And then he's like, but I actually like this person. And he's also been victimized in many ways. Mm -hmm. Not in, not in, not in the same like physical ways, but like certainly emotionally victimized. And and it's just, um, it's really interesting. It's like quite the dynamic. Um, and I, you know, Kit obviously has a lot of physical and emotional pain. Mm-hmm. And yet he's still like 
a good person. I yeah. mean, I think honestly, like, I think they're both eights for me. I could, I would a hundred percent agree with that. I really liked both of them. I thought they were, they were fun, and I love their interactions together. Like, so the bulk of it, like a lot of our sexual, con- a lot of our sexual tension comes to fruition when. Kit is teaching Percy how to fight and Percy doesn't tell Kit that he has a background in fencing. So he's not a complete novice, but he's never like thrown a punch, you know, not properly. Like he's never been in a true like hand to hand sort of fight. He's been in like a very contained fencing, you know, sort of fight. Oh, and that is actually how he plans to make a living. He plans to be a prize fighter and he like actually (laughs) goes out and like starts doing prize matches in the area that people come and watch and he like wins them with his sword fighting prowess. And like, that's basically how he's going to like earn extra income. (laughs) It's so crazy. Oh my goodness. And I love it because it's just like, you know, but again, you have that. And like, how great is a visual as that of like two men fighting their attraction to the other one and they're like in hand-to-hand combat and like wrestling and like having to like be close to the other while the other's in you know there's the instructing aspect i mean it was yeah it it was was great visual oh in the back room you know where no one can see them (laughs) it was fitting that's where our first encounter was (laughs) Mm -hmm. yes uh and it felt like the place they were supposed to meet so mm-hmm. definitely into it. Okay. I don't have my book in front of me. And I also have a confession. I didn't, I like had to read a physical book and I didn't highlight anything in this one. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Okay. Well, sorry listeners, because I had it as a library book and oh, I no. <laughs> just went to, I did thought I had bought it, but then I went to pull it up and my Kindle and it was like, you can't because you borrowed this. And then I was like, okay, well, I'll just go because I had a few minutes before you got on the call. I was like, mm-hmm. I'll just go check it out again. But there were two people in line for it oh, no. and I couldn't <laughs> check it out. So we have no quotes. Well, please forgive us. This is the yeah, first time. Yeah, sorry. This is the first time we haven't had a quote. And it's not because it's not good. The problem is I was reading it in bed and it was a physical book and I just didn't have a pencil or a pen to like mark things with it's hard when it's a physical book i like reading physical books but for the podcast the kindle books are much easier because i can highlight really easily on a kindle book no matter if i'm laying in bed and reading (laughs) which is normally when i do my reading is laying in bed yes yes it's so true well um let's try to talk about steaminess i thought this book was super steamy actually oh Mm mm-hmm Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think Kat Sebastian writes really steamy books. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Like even her, it's only one bed and we're in a freaking cottage for the whole time. Uh, two rogues. No, not two rogues make a right. What is it? It's um, not. I can never remember um, what the name of the book is, but it's like my remember. favorite, my favorite Kat Sebastian. It doesn't matter. I get the name wrong every single time. <laughs> And it's just really wonderful. And um, even that was like super, super, super steamy. Anyhow, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was great. Super steamy. And I think you were right. Two encounters sounds about right to me. Yeah. Again, sorry, guys. Not a Kindle. Usually on the Kindle, I highlight at the end of an encounter and like keep put track. A note. And put yeah, a note. that's what I do. Um, I, didn't, I didn't have the ability to do that. So I'm thinking it's two. I remember two very clear ones. So I'm going with yeah. that. 
And it was very much like we had nothing and then we had encounter, which is just what I said in the notes. It was full on like, yeah, we're we're not really we're teasing. We can both feel the sexual tension, but like we don't know. Really, it was Kit like Percy was like because Percy's very obvious and like he very is blatant about his flirting Mm -hmm. with Kit. But at the same time, too, Kit has like a different persona and Kit and Percy's like really more concerned about the whole blackmail situation. So even though he's attracted to Kit, like that's not something like he desperately needs to pursue. So, but you know, then sexual tension gets the best of us and we get into intense fighting and then we get into intense making out. And then it's just like, do your thing to me. Uh, Feminist recap. I mean, I think of course this book is feminist. Um, I mean, Marianne's also the ringleader. <laughs> yeah, and Kat, well, Kat is just so, like, she's trying to, like, subverse all the stereotypes, and she's, you know, she's showing the lives of different people at these times, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's not a complete fantasy. Like, she's it, it, she's taking things from history that have happened and stories that just haven't been told. So, like, it's more than, like, I just... I, I just think also the way that she writes like mental health and grief and mm-hmm. like all those things is like so it's just so feminist. So I can't anything Cat Sebastian touches, I think she hits it right on nail on the head. Like it is it's kind of empowering no matter who you are or what you're looking at it because these people make you think. Yeah, and we also find out that like Percy his mother had a relationship with the woman who is actually the first wife of the Duke. Like, they actually did know each other, and they had a relationship. Was that in this book? Or maybe it was in Marion's book. I think there was a little bit of that. Like, she knew of the first wife. Like, she, there was something, because we, we find out who the first wife and the son are yes. in and this so, book. Yes, so that is in this book. Okay, great. Um, sorry, the two, like, are really just rolling together in my brain. Um, well, I think they're they're the same timeline. You know, there's things happening Oh, it literally, like, them. the second book literally picks up immediately where the other one, like, ends. Yeah. Like, almost actually a little bit before, so. Yeah, makes um, sense. So, so yeah, like we, we do see that the two women really work together and like know about each other and are actually friends in their own way. And it's really funny because Percy just knows his mother, like one of the things is like the Duke carries a book that his mother was always holding on and holding on to. And like, really what it was is like his mother was like trying to undermine the Duke's efforts, you know, because he was a horrid human being. So Yep. Well, um, we've got a final book rating here. Would you like to go first? Yes. I'm going to give this book an 8.5. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I think this is a great book, but my personal enjoyment of the book overall was a 7.5. I It didn't quite grasp me as a whole you know, as tight, but mm-hmm. it's a really great book and I really should get to the perfect crimes of Marion Hayes. Soon. You really should. It's fun. Like it's, it's very different. And then you get to like fun heists and then you get Kit and Percy back in action with them. It's quite fun. Super fun. I should tell Libby that I need that one. <laughs> yes. Tell Libby that you need book number two. So that's all fun and games, but what are we reading or doing next time? 
Are we reading a book next time? Or are we just talking about a book? I believe it's something different. Uh, but before we get to that, it is Two Rogues Make a Right, the Cat Sebastian book oh, I was hey, trying to, correct. to do. It's great. If you need another book, go for that one. That's my favorite one she's written. Like, what the heck? It's like in literally one room the whole time. And it's such a beautiful like portrait of depression. And I just think she does a really great job with that book. I love it. Okay. Anyhow, what are we doing next time? Well, I'm not doing anything. Let's be honest. Yeah. It's all you. It's all me. So next time you get to listen to a fabulous conversation I had with Maureen Lee Linker about her new book that is coming out in July, and that is It Happened One Fight. Um, it's a super fun book. Um, I was lucky enough to grab an arc, and Maureen and I got to really talk about the book and it's a little outside of our normal genre, I will say. Like it is it's a historical romance, however, it is 1930s Hollywood, as I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier. So really fun. Um, if you're a big fan of old screwball comedies, this is the book for you. Uh-huh. Well, that sounds really exciting. I haven't even edited it yet. edited that's kind of hard I have not yet edited it so I am looking forward to hearing the conversation myself and it's gonna be really really great oh just get ready for Maureen and I to go completely off script and down a rabbit hole (laughs) Kelsey that doesn't sound like you and or me at all not at all and you know like I found a kindred soul who likes old movies and especially old musicals we had Ah. things to talk about okay (laughs) so great love that well uh listeners thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next episode for our interview with Maureen Lee Lanker And may all your ever afters end happily. 